Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Mr. Salis, very nice. Have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. It's a long time in coming for us to get to this famous chapter. I'm looking forward to it. If you need an uh, outline, Brother Dave Carter's coming down the middle aisle, and we'd love for you to follow along. And uh, as we jump back into Hebrews, appreciate Brother Josh filling in last Wednesday, and Brother Carter, Pastor Tony filling in last Sunday, and where we could go Sunday. Appreciate in our absence as we went to the conference down there. Appreciate these men being willing to. Great job they do each time they stand behind this pulpit. So appreciate it very much. Looking forward to getting back here to Hebrews 11 and uh, as we get to jump into the, the famous chapter. And yet I trust that it isn't just a reminder, that it isn't just an old hat to us, but there's some new things here or some things we certainly need to be reminded of and challenged with. And so uh, looking forward to oh, one announcement I did forget. Um, please, if you have an old-fashioned clock, bring that in for decorations down on the other end, the, fellow, uh, the fellowship that's happening down in uh, the gymnasium. We use it all week there. We have a meal for the missionaries before the service. And so um, you can bring that in. If you have any questions about that, Erica Stevens is the one to ask. And uh, at this point, she already okayed my Dr. Pepper clock. So it may show up. Who knows? And uh, we'll see. But if you have an old-fashioned clock, that would be great. And uh, bring that in. See her. And uh, they would appreciate that. Or any of the college young ladies would be great, too. I'd like to remind us real quick of the context of um, the end of chapter 10. We're not going to review a bunch of what we've already covered, but we will look here at the end of chapter 10. Let's just read verse 38 and 39, shall we? Because it is tied. Uh, certainly, chapter breaking break, uh, or distinctions are added later. Uh, so, um, notice what we read. Uh, verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Verse 39, but we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And then he goes into to chapter 11, right? Verse 1 we'll read in a moment, but it starts out now faith, right? Let me point out right away uh, what we talked about last week. You remember uh, as we talked about that, the author saying basically what? Live today by faith. The just shall live by faith. And he's talking about verse 39, salvation. Verse uh, 38, he's talking about let's live right now in the faith like we came to Christ by faith. We'll see that tonight. Don't turn back. Don't draw back. Don't find yourself numbered among those that draw back facing the judgment of God, eventual destruction for falling away. Rather be numbered among those who are saved by faith, living by faith. And so basically the encouragement was there to go onward by faith. Now, he uses the word believe in verse 39. He uses the word faith in verse 38. There in 38, 39, verse 1 of chapter 11, it's the same Greek word, uh, faith, believe. We know all the different English words that are used. Trust is right there too. And so this is all speaking of the same thing, okay? And it's interesting because I think we come to chapter 11, and right after he says that, the Holy Spirit anticipates some things. He anticipates the, the question that would be natural. All right, in fact, a couple of them, okay? And that's where our, our, our study will take us the next few weeks. Why such a big deal about faith? Why are you making such a big deal about faith? And then number two, what, what exactly is faith? What is this faith you speak of, Paul? What is this faith you speak of, Holy Spirit? And he'll elaborate on that. In fact, chapters 11 through 13, the rest of Hebrews, if we were going to give it a theme, we'd probably lean towards faith. It is spoken of much in these passages, these chapters. And so uh, that's the case. Hebrews answers these questions. That first question is this. You already see it on the outline. Why make such a big deal about faith? Why make such a big deal about faith? Faith is vital to the Christian life. Why is that? Well, number one, and we start in the rudiments, we might say, faith is how the Christian life begins. 
That's how it begins. Our relationship with our personal Savior, Jesus Christ, is established by faith. We know these verses well, but they will do us well to, rem- be, to be reminded of as we head into our study on Hebrews chapter 11. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. Not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And in verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, verse 10 and following. So we, we are saved by grace through faith. Paul would also add in Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. For with the heart man believeth. Again, very similar Greek words. The same Greek word or at least the same variation or the, or the variation of the same Greek word. Okay? Um, man believeth unto righteousness with the heart and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Paul would not only write it. But Paul would also speak it. He would also say the same thing. You remember when the, 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 the keeper of the prison um, in which Paul had been in prison right before the earthquake, he asked that question, what must I do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You remember what Paul said there in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. He says what? Believe. Faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Salvation comes through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is, it, it, it is vital to the Christian life. Hence, we see so much said about faith in this passage from chapter 10 into chapter 11 and forward. We just read in verse 38, too. He says, not only is it good for salvation, that's 39, a saving of our souls. We've, we believe to the saving of our souls. So uh, faith is crucial. It's vital. It's necessary for salvation. It's how the Christian life begins. It's how our relationship with the God of heaven starts through faith. But not only that, it is also how we walk. Notice the statement here. The Christian life is lived in continual faith, ongoing daily faith. This passage would clearly speak to it, but there are also other passages. I love what Paul made clear in his letter he wrote to to the church of Galatia, the believers there. He said, you remember, well, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And I like this statement. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Literally, faith in the Son of God. Uh, Faith that he, confidence in him. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you see in the one verse where Paul here too, he says, listen, I was saved by faith, but I also live by faith. Hence, we have a a chapter full of examples, a description of what faith looks like here in Hebrews 11. Because the Christian life starts with faith. It is how you and I live daily, going from day to day by faith. Interestingly, if you think about it, living by faith would not have been a new concept to that first group of first century believers or readers of this epistle. Nor is it a foreign concept to humans today, to you and I. We, we know what it means to live by faith. Not simply because we know Christ. Not, not because we are Christians, but because we are humans. In fact, I put it this way. We cannot live a day physically in our lives apart from faith. We go throughout our day physically the same way described in Hebrews chapter 11 with these words. By faith. Today was the day of faith for you, not just spiritually, but physically. Physically, you, you lived by faith. We think about the very basic things that we do, or by faith, and when we eat a meal, we trust that no one has sprinkled arsenic or some other kind of poison in our food. Amen? You ever look at the person in the drive through window and thinking, okay, what did they do in my food? We eat meals by faith, don't we? We really do, if you think about it, and uh, uh, maybe even at home too, right? By faith. 
by faith. When we read articles in the morning newspaper or online, we believe what we read. That can be misplaced faith, right? But we do. We, we take it for what it says, typically, or at least in part. And we, uh, with the facts, we'll, we'll read somebody who's done a survey. And we'll, we'll, we'll take it at, at face value. We'll have faith in it that it's correct and it's true. By faith, we get in, we start our car, and we drive it. We trust engineers and designers and assembly workers we've never seen to have made our car the way it's supposed to be made and uh, to assemble, to design it in such a way that it works. By faith, and I dare say this encompasses a lot of us here today, by faith, you take, you take medicine. You trust the diagnosis of a doctor, you, uh, the pharmacist who put together the prescription, or even a radiologist who you've never seen. You, you trust what they say. You, you trust what they recommend. You follow them in faith, believing that what they say is correct. By faith, every piece of furniture you sit down on, you trust to hold you up and, and in the person who built it. You have faith in that piece of furniture. You have faith in the person who built it. Like right now, you're exercising faith in the pew you sit in, just for fun, I removed the screws of a couple. No, I did. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, seeing if any of you, no, I wouldn't do that, okay? But yeah, you, you faith, right? You're, you're, you're taking faith. The Pastor Henry hasn't done that out of a sick mind, all right? Taking out the screws. You, you have faith in every seat, piece of furniture you sit on, that it's going to hold you up. And the maker of that, the list could go on and on. The physical life. Now, think about this in terms of Galatians chapter, 20, or chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said, the life I now live, I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God, okay? You don't realize physically, you and I, the life we live physically, we live by faith. Faith in the seen and the unseen, faith in in people um, you see, the doctor, faith in people you don't see, those who design and make your automobile and furniture and things like that. How many of you, like me, you've, you've, had a, you've taken a car to somewhere to get worked on, and uh, this wasn't Ryan, by the way, so don't blame him, okay? But I took it somewhere for a brake job, and, and uh, I, I remember several months or years later, I was looking at that wheel, took it off and so forth, and they had forgotten to put back a caliper bolt. There's only two caliper bolts. So one missing was not a good thing. And they let it, I trusted they'd put it back together, that they had gotten it back the way. You have faith, right? You take it to somebody, you trust that they're going to put it back together the way it ought to go. We have faith on a daily basis. We exercise faith. Here in Hebrews, though, here in Hebrews, it's not talking about that physical faith, though that's real. He's talking about the spiritual realm. And so very much, the author here, and certainly the Holy Spirit says, listen, you live by faith every day. Every one of us lives by faith. Physically, the spiritual realm is really no different except in one thing we'll see in just a moment. It's the same idea. In fact, the thing that differentiates it, do you you realize what we learn from the consideration of faith employed in the physical realm as we just described? See, here's what greatly differentiates faith in the physical realm from faith in the spiritual realm. And this is what the world misses about true biblical faith. There's a lot of people in our world who will make fun of the faith you and I as believers have. They will condescend to us. They will characterize it as, uh, as erroneous. They will certainly characterize it as foolish and so forth. The faith that you and I have in God, in his word, many in the world would, would mock at that. They would belittle it. They, <laughs> it's because they obviously do not understand it. And the thing that they miss in the concept of faith, 
that is true both in the physical realm and both in the spiritual realm is simply this. Faith is only as good as its object. Faith is only as good as its object. The object in which you have faith. Can I ask you this? Have you ever lost faith in a doctor? Have you ever lost faith faith in a mechanic? (laughs) I have. (laughs) Have you ever lost faith in somebody or something in the physical realm because the object of that faith wasn't very good? Well, reality is that happens all the time, isn't it? There was a Minnesota woman who, who was admitted to the Mayo Clinic back in August of this year. She was admitted because she was suffering from gastrointestinal distress and dehydration. While in the hospital, her condition worsened. Heart problems began and uh, fluid built up around her lungs and uh, they had to take the extreme um, step of removing part of her colon. Just four days later, she died. Her husband a poison specialist and former doctor at the famed Mayo Clinic, just a day or two ago, was charged and arrested for her murder. It was found that he had researched on his computer the lethal dose for a particular drug given for gout and plugged in her body weight to see what that lethal dose was and so forth. She didn't have gout, but that medicine was found in her blood and in her body after she died. It was determined and has been found out that in the days before she went to the hospital, her husband made her a smoothie and likely poisoned it. How many of you, your spouse makes you a smoothie? No, don't answer that. But uh, sadly, he made her a smoothie, made her other drinks, and uh, she had drank it, and she began to fall ill. You see, simple example, she had faith. That her husband would make a smoothie that wouldn't poison her. But it was a fatal consequence, wasn't it? See, the object of your faith matters. Your faith is only as good as the object is. Such realities are why the world describes faith. Here's how one atheist author described faith. He says, faith is the illogical belief in the occurrence of the impossible. And that would be what many in the world subscribe to. Oh, you have faith. That's crazy. That's illogical. That's illogical. That's, that, that, you're, you're thinking the impossible is going to happen. Well, I find it interesting when you think about that statement. Our biblical faith, as Hebrews chapter 11 will show, and certainly experience shows, our faith is neither illogical nor is it looking for the impossible. How can we say that? Because the object of our faith is God. And when the object of our faith is God, the reality is this, with God... The things that are seemingly illogical become logical. Things that are impossible to man are possible with God. So the world looks like this and they say, oh man, I've trusted in things before. and They've let me down. I've trusted in this physical realm and this physical world and things. And and boy, I've been let down. I've been, have you ever heard somebody say this? I've been hurt because I trusted somebody. Well, can I tell you right now, listen very carefully to me. Anytime you trust God, you will never be hurt. You will never be let down. Hebrews chapter 11, hall of faith, whatever you want to call it, the reality is every single person in this chapter found out that God is faithful, God is true, and he can be trusted. Why? Because he's the object of their faith. He's the object of their faith. 
It is neither illogical nor impossible, the things that he calls us to do. The walls of Jericho falling down. The miracles abounding in throughout the scriptures. It's all about the object of that faith. You see, in the spiritual realm, the object of our faith does not vary. Uh, when we talk of the physical life, the doctor and the, the mechanic and, and the cook and, and those who build furniture and the furniture itself, we, we have to have, those are the object of our faith in every different scenario of life. But in the spiritual realm, there is but simply Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. You see, in salvation, he and his provision is the object of the faith. In salvation, our faith is in Jesus Christ, in his provision for us. That's the object of our faith. And Acts chapter 4 says it best, doesn't it? Peter's preaching there, and he says this of Jesus Christ. He says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. There's no one else. There's nothing else. And I just put it here on the outline. That is exclusive. Exclusivity to the hilt. Nothing else can do what this does. And that is in which our faith is placed, which we put our faith. You see, there is absolutely no room for anything else or anyone else to be the object of our faith for salvation. That's why you and I, when we hear somebody who says, you know, I just, I'm hoping I lived good enough to get to heaven, we just shake our heads because you and I know what? That's not a good object of faith for salvation. Well, I'm just, I'm just trusting my church. I've been a member since this, such and such a year, and I, I've always gone to church. And we shake our heads because we understand that faith in the church is not faith in Jesus Christ. It's not what gets you to heaven. The object of your faith must be Jesus Christ and his provision for every and each and every soul. See, when us put our faith in Christ as our Savior, his provision of the finished work on the cross of Calvary to pay the penalty or wages of our sin. And instead, he's offered us his own righteousness. I like the, this concept, the reality of this is, you know, there's power in salvation. And Jesus Christ, his work alone is the power of salvation. I love that that is mentioned for us in the Gospels. In John chapter 1, in, in verse 2, it, it makes that statement, right? That uh, we know, uh, but as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name see the connection faith power when we have faith in jesus christ he is the power unto salvation it's the only thing that can do so it's the only thing that can cause us or allow us to escape hell and gain heaven christ's work alone the power of salvation displayed here in john chapter 1 and verse 12 once we have our faith placed in the provision of jesus christ jesus christ himself then we understand that as we are called the daily walk in faith, he and his promises then are the object of our faith. So in salvation, it is Jesus Christ and his provision in daily walking. Now, as you and I have been saved, and we could testify tonight, hey, I trusted Jesus Christ so many years ago when I was this age. And boy, we've walked with him. We've had a relationship with him all this time. Throughout every day of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we walk in faith in him and in his promises. All the promises of God's word. Our, our faith, is, the object is still Jesus Christ, but we're before his provision on the cross was part of it. Now in our daily walking, it is the promises of God. The promises of our Savior in John 14, that where I am, ye will be also. And many others, the promise of eternal life and such in heaven. 
Paul calls each of us, and I love the term, if you might remember many, many moons ago we were there, Hebrews chapter 6. He calls us heirs of promises. I like that. We're the heirs of promises. And so we are. I really like how Paul starts the seventh chapter of his second letter to the church at Corinth. He's writing those believers. He's spoken of many things we have in Jesus Christ. They're growing since their first letter, his first letter to them. The whole church is growing. They're becoming more like Christ, and uh, they're getting some things right. They're becoming holy like their Father in heaven is holy. And so Paul's just teaching them all kinds of things. Here's what we have in Christ. Here's what we possess in Christ. And then he comes to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. He says this, Having therefore these promises, clinging to these promises, holding these promises every day, dearly beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from all unfilthiness and of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I love that admonition, that exhortation, because he's saying, listen, we have these promises. We have so much from our Savior, Jesus Christ, who's given us salvation, but there's so many promises attached. So having these promises, faith in Jesus Christ, and every promise you can name, Having that faith, let's go on living godly and soberly and righteously in this present world. Let's cleanse ourselves from sin and everything else that, that, that stains us and corrupts us, that flesh and such. Really, it's, he puts it here, faith in Christ and his promises energizes us for living the Christian life. How do you make it day by day? Your faith in Christ. Your faith in his promises. That's what gets us through every day as a believer and, and helps us to say, you know what? I want to live according to God's word. I want to do the will of God. Why? Because I have faith in God that he will keep his promises. And it's really what we see as we'll read in just a moment. Verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope for. You see, it is the power source for daily living. Jesus Christ and yeah, his provision, power source for salvation. It's how we are powerful, the power to become the sons of God. In living, walking by faith, the just shall live by faith. The power for every day is our faith in Christ and the promises he's given. Clinging to them, holding fast those promises. It's what keeps us going in obedience and faithfulness to him each and every day. And that's exactly where Hebrews chapter 11 comes in. That's where the Holy Spirit inserts it beautifully, a great timing in this epistle, uh, in this letter, here in Hebrews chapter number 11. Understanding why faith is so important, we look to the famous chapter to see how the Holy Spirit answers that second question. What's the big deal about faith? Well, it's vital to the Christian life, salvation and living by faith. Now, what exactly is faith? Now, there's been some disagreement, some debate. Well, does Hebrews chapter 11 define it, or does it describe it? And different preachers say different things. I don't really care how you want to term it. Here's what it does. It reveals it, and it declares what faith is. It reveals and declares it. We see that. There are examples, plethora, a cornucopia, since it's fall time, a cornucopia of examples spread out across the pages of chapters number 11. He declares what it is. He reveals it in the first few verses here and in some additional verses down throughout the chapter. Biblical faith here revealed and declared. Now listen, it is not blind optimism. Blind optimism. It is not a self-manufactured hope-so feeling. You ever talk to somebody and say, well, I just believe this isn't going to happen. Yet they have no evidence. They have no proof. They have nothing to believe that that's going to happen. And it's a foolhardy faith. 
That's not what biblical faith is, as we'll see in the chapter uh, that we'll study. Neither is it simply intellectual assent or agreement to a doctrine or a belief. This isn't just an intellectual or a, a, a cerebral kind of assent or agreement to the belief or a doctrinal statement. It's not believing something in spite of the evidence. If it was, that'd just be superstition. That'd be blind, foolhardy faith. Okay, that's like saying, um, forgive me, but that's like saying this team is better than this team, even though this team killed this team. It doesn't make sense, right? That's, there's no evidence for that. That's not what biblical faith is. This introduction to the chapter is given to show the difference. That's what he starts out with, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Look at it with me, if you will. Look at it. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I like how he starts out. He says, let me explain a little bit. Let me describe it. Let me reveal it. Let me declare what faith is to you. It is the substance of things hoped for, the substance of things hoped for. You see that letter A here. Now, that's an interesting description. And here at the beginning, we want to take our time, and so we'll just kind of end here in verse 1 in a moment. Oh, so we'll just kind of plant here for a moment. But it's an interesting description. The word that's translated as substance here in the first phrase literally means that which is placed under. Now, that's an interesting and quite a, a neat description or definition of the word. Let me ask you this. When someone builds a house, what do they place under it? A foundation, right? A basement or a slab, whatever you might call it. We call that then a foundation or support. So do you realize what we're being told here in verse number one? He's simply saying this, if I can put it as such, okay? Um, he's saying that biblical faith is to the Christian life what a foundation is to a physical house. This house is your, that, that God has saved, he's bought with a price, your life, the foundation now as a believer is faith. Faith is the substance, it's, a, it's the foundation of those things hoped for. It's pictured well, and when you go home tonight, I don't think any of you will step across your threshold and go like this. I hope it holds me up. No, 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 you'll go home, you'll just go right in, you'll walk around, you'll do all kinds of things. Not giving it a second thought, oh, I hope this house doesn't just crumble in, you know, because I'm just not sure about this foundation. If you have those issues, you might want to see a contractor, by the way. If you do, go uh, say that when you go home, okay? But we don't do that, right? We go home, we, we walk around, we sleep in it, we, we do all these things. Because what? You are confident, confident in the foundation of your house. Now, that is a beautiful picture and certainly used on purpose um, and with intent here in this passage. Because the reality is this. The other meaning or the additional meaning of the word translated substance is this. Confidence. Assurance. We have confidence and assurance in the foundation of our faith, which is faith. Faith is the foundation of everything that you and I hold to and believe in and why we walk by faith. It is the assurance, the confidence. As we live in and walk in and around and sleep in our houses, we do so by conviction that our foundation is, here's a key word, our foundation is sure. We can have confidence. We don't give it a second thought. It is sure. It will hold us up. It will not... Um, like the, the, the man who built his house on the sand. It will not waver. In Isaiah chapter 28, 
I love how Isaiah quotes God. And in that passage, he says, um, he has laid in Zion a foundation stone. He calls it a sure foundation. And he says, those that believe on it will not make haste. Literally, can have confidence in that. His foundation is sure. Paul would write Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.19. Here's what he says. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Standeth sure. You see what Holy Spirit is saying here in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. As we begin down this hall of faith. As we begin to take a glimpse into the very lives and actions of some of these who live by faith. He says, let me remind you. Sure faith is anchored in the sure foundation of the promises of God's word foundation of the promises and the word of God it's anchored there there's no sure foundation so therefore you and I can experience confidence and assurance by our faith in what is promised another kind of prerogative another picture of it during the times of Christ and the first century believers the Greek word translated here as substance was frequently used in an interesting way in societies and business dealings and communities, it was employed, you see on your outline there and up here, to describe a, a business document which served as a uh, proof of ownership or a title of deed, like a land deed or something else. It showed ownership. It showed possession that it belonged to you. That's the word substance. Faith is that title deed. Faith is the substance, the assurance, the foundation of everything we hope for, of everything we look forward to in the future. You say, well, Pastor Henry, how in the world do you look forward to those kinds of things? Why do you act that way? Because I know what God has promised, the things hoped for, the very promises of God. The faith is the sure foundation for how you and I live today in accordance to his word. So verse number one is conveying here that our faith is the title deed of things that are still in the future. Of the promises and the fulfillment of them that lie ahead as given to us by the Word of God. You see, when uh, many of you, like me, when, when I die or when Christ returns, I'm confident. I have full assurance, or as the hymnist would say, blessed assurance, that I have a wonderful home in heaven waiting me. That even this week, as some that we know have experienced, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You say, how do you know that? I know it by faith. I know that I have a home in heaven. How do you know that? Because, my friend, can I just tell you, I have a title deed to my house in heaven. Say, what is that? That's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The title deed. You have it in your hands. You and I have it in our hearts. The very faith that we have is the foundation for all that we do and all that we hope for. You see, I've never seen my home in heaven, but I know that it's there because of my title deed. That title deed we hold on for things we hope for is based upon the promises of God. It's our faith. We trust what God says. We are confident and have assurance in it, so much so that, you know what we do? And here's where the world doesn't get it. Here's where the world doesn't understand. This is why they call it illogical, the occurrence of the impossible. They don't understand it. You know what we do? You and I, as we daily live by faith, the just shall live by faith, we bring the future into the present. Because I don't know about you, but today, I sure hope I live to lay up treasures in heaven. I sure hope to live today to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when that day comes that I see my Lord and Savior. 
We do things today. We bring the future into the present. We allow it to impact and, and de- determine how I live today. And the world doesn't get that because, my friend, they don't have faith in a perfect and faithful God. Sure foundation. It's the substance of things hoped for. I end with this simple statement. It is one that I think we ought to meditate on, regurgitate a little bit, spiritually speaking, and uh, think on, meditate on. Notice what it says. You see it on the bottom of our outline. True biblical faith is obedience to God's word today in spite of circumstances and consequences and in light of confidence and conviction founded upon God's promises for the future. Read it again. Certainly as you fill in the blanks, true biblical faith is obedience to God's word today in spite of circumstances and consequences and in light of confidence and conviction founded upon God's promises to the future. If we were ever designing a hall of faith like Hebrews chapter 11 is, this is the statement that I'd put entering the hallway. By faith, what did they do? Here's what they, they obey God. Every single name here, in one way, one aspect or another, they obeyed God in spite of circumstances and consequences. The end of chapter 11, or close to the end of the list of names, we know that he says, many are sawn asunder, many are persecuted, beheaded. All these things happen to these. The consequences are there, but they're not living in light of those. They're living in spite of those by faith. And they're living in light of their confidence and their conviction founded upon God's promise for the future. That sure foundation. It begs the question of you and I today. Are we living by true biblical faith? I dare say we all have it down in the physical realm. Today we live by faith in the physical realm in many ways, many different things. You took uh, some medicine, you you sat in a pew, you you hopped in your car trusting and having faith that it would start and so forth and so on. We, We know how to live by faith in the physical realm, but do we do it in the spiritual realm? Have we brought the future into today, the present, because we have a faith that is the substance of things hoped for, the foundation, the confidence, the assurance of all that God has promised, knowing that our God is faithful. My friend, could I just encourage you? There's no greater foundation that any man can lay. There's no greater object of our faith than Jesus Christ, who died for us and gave himself so that you and I can live for him by faith. We'll get into the rest of the chapter in a couple of weeks here. Brother